Greetings, amigos, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to another edition of Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today, as he is every week, is your lovely co-host, Michael. This week we have a very special episode. We both know what the topic is. You guys know what the topic is because you helped us put it together. We're finally doing our best musical albums of 2018 episode. This this episode is all about a list that you guys put together for us. We're going to talk through all the music that you guys showed us and we listened to them all and how we ranked them. So you ready to get started, Mike? All right, K-Dog. So we are going to be talking about best albums of 2018. You and I had a little bit of back and forth about how exactly to do this, and I, I kind of like where we landed on this. We were we were questioning how to work our own thoughts on albums in 2018 into this, but basically what we realized is this was a gift that we received from our listeners, aka our friends, uh, of some good music that for the most part I think neither of us had heard. So we decided in the main portion of this ranking, we are only going to be ranking albums that we heard from you, the listeners. We'll maybe pepper in a couple of our own thoughts in the honorable mentions, but for the most part, we just kind of want to say thanks. You guys gave us a bunch of great music, and I, for one, really enjoyed it, and I think you did, too. I had a blast listening to all this music, and there were only two albums, or yeah, two of them that I had actually like listened to before they had been recommended, which is which is cool. I listened to some some stuff that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Or uh, Have you seen the, the Spotify album? They'll put together a taste breaker. Like, it's a basically a playlist they'll release your like the stuff you listen to most in 2018 mm-hmm. and then there's a adjacent playlist called taste breakers which is like based on your what you currently listen to here's some stuff that you would never normally listen to wow that's interesting it but is, is 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 there some element of that where it thinks you would like it though i don't think so because i haven't liked okay. much <laughs> i haven't liked much of it but so like this is this is like the idealized form of a taste breaker playlist because it's all stuff mm-hmm. that like I'm tangentially interested in that I ended up actually really liking because it was a little bit off what I normally listen to. Wow. Yeah. I like, I think, I feel like this would probably get a little complicated for the folks at Spotify, but it would be cool if what they did was they took the songs you listen to, songs that people who've listened to those like, but which you haven't listened to and which belong to a different genre. So like, whatever, if you like Kanye West, Whatever the country music is that Kanye West fans listen to, like that's what it should send you. <laughs> I feel like that's not that hard of a connection to make. I wonder if that is how the algorithm works. But through my the first like couple songs I listened to on it, I was like, "This is I don't like any yeah, of this." Yeah, poop. Anyways, poop. this is a- at any rate. This that's our list. It's yeah. from you guys to us. So I put together the actual order of the list, but Kyle has seen the order. To be clear, this is I think the first time we've ever done that, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we wanted to tackle that just a little bit together so that um we did a we did more justice to everybody out there's work. So Kyle has seen this. We're gonna talk through our thoughts on the albums, um, but kind of the through line will be my feelings on the albums and, and Kyle and I will will talk about it. Yeah. Alright, so there's actually I think <laughs> One more breaking of the form. We got eleven albums. So <laughs> instead of just throwing one as a as a honorable we're gonna give you a bonus one we're gonna do the top 11 <laughs> so i don't know if our social media czar will will make everything like change all of our accounts to top 11 <laughs> for one day but at any rate we're gonna be doing the top 11 well actually do you want to just this is the first episode where we actually have that to like formally announce do you want to just do that at the top oh 
Oh boy. Ah, yes. So we now have an active Instagram with a handle that I'm not a hundred percent sure of. I think it's just top 10 KM, like all of our stuff. Yeah. Yep. So it's top 10 KM. There's some really good content. There's actually a picture of, uh, Kyle potting. There's a picture of me potting. There's a picture of me in my Batman outfit, which to be clear for the listeners, I wore almost exclusively for an entire year. Yeah. It was the same year that I didn't smile. My mom was worried. I guess she read some book that it's okay if your kid does something for like 11 months and 364 days, but <laughs> the moment it ticks to a year, you got to take them somewhere. And I think I took my Batman outfit off and smiled on day 364. Nice. Or I said 11 months, 364. You know what I meant? Yeah. One day short, One day of, a short year. of a year. <laughs> so that's our Instagram. Twitter, top10km. We have our email, top10km at gmail.com. All of these, the 10 is spelled out T-E-N. What else you got, Kyle? The So the Facebook page. So previously our Facebook yeah. presence was just like we would post episodes on our personal mm-hmm. pages. But now we have an actual Facebook page, which you should go to and like. Yeah. I can promise you wonderful content because Caroline is in charge of it. And yeah. not us. So there's the Facebook page, which you should like, the Instagram, which you should follow, the Twitter, which will be not just an inst- like a feed of our, our new episodes. Yeah. So all of that good stuff. Sorry. One good thing about that is that when we do these sorts of crowdsourced lists in the future, yeah. we expect even more responses so we can populate a legitimate list of honorable <laughs> mentions from all of you folks. And maybe even a not top three. <laughs> But yes, we, we're coming for you. So, all right. With that, all right, you ready to roll? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So our top 11 for the week. Number 11. Uh, I put Bobby Tarantino 2 by Logic. So this came to us from dear friend and brother-in-law of the pod, Ian. So Logic, for those of you out there who don't know, is the rapper who sings that song. I don't know what you're actually supposed to call it, but it's the phone number. It's the, uh, it's the National Suicide Hotline. He has like this very famous song that he wrote that was to raise awareness for people struggling with mental health issues. So you probably know that song. It was big on the charts and it's literally a phone number if you see it. So that's the rapper. Bobby Tarantino 2 is a mixtape that he did. Now, I don't want to get into the eligibility of mixtapes versus true studio <laughs> albums. This thing's on Spotify. My basic take on it is I really like this mixtape in that it's a pretty traditional mixtape. It's a lot of songs with some interesting lyrics that aren't overproduced, but it is a mixtape. Like this feels like something that got released between two studio albums. So mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed it because I think Logic is a really good songwriter, but it definitely has the feeling of like a bunch, like your favorite author wrote a book of a bunch of uh, notes that, that he or she had between books. I agree. I think the reason it it slots this low is just because of eligibility questions and because to spoil the list, like we're going to be talking about one of his like really produced albums high up on the list. So I I think it's fair to, to put this side project a little lower. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's probably all we need to say about Bobby Tarantino too. Probably. All right. uh, Number 10 was an album from a band that I'm I'm aware of and like, but this album I did not like. So I've actually made some changes to the list since Kyle last saw it, so I'm not sure if he knows what this is. I think he might. But number 10 is Delta 
by fucking Mumford and Sons. You put Delta at ten? Yeah, I did not super like Delta. So I moved, I moved, I know what um, you thought this was going to be, it's coming up soon. But yeah, I didn't like this. I, my favorite song, I forgot to mention my favorite song from Bobby Tarantino too, but we'll pick this up from now on. Yeah. So my favorite song from Delta was Rose of Sharon. Me too. Because that song sounded to me like Mumford and Sons. And I like Mumford and Sons. But the rest of the album sounded like Imagine Dragons, which I didn't like. Imagine, that's an interesting comp i don't know if you, you like imagine dragons so it's more just that it doesn't sound like mumford it just yeah like imagine dragons i liked i've kind of gotten a little tired of their act yeah in that they haven't to my ears evolved much musically and i i consider a shift from that really cool upbeat folky music that mumford and sons was doing to something a little more synth and a little more poppy i don't think that's like a, a great transition for them it's definitely a little more pumpy, and it's a lot slower. Yeah. Quinn and I talked about... Qu- Quinn was saying that, like, if you were to listen to every album that Mumford had on Shuffle, this album mm-hmm. really, really kind of fills that out because it, it lends you, like, some needed kind of breaks. And it's, Oh, interesting. It, so he's he would say, like, if you were to take some of these songs and put them into one of the old albums, take some of the songs from the old album and put it into this one... It would sound like a more standard a more, mix of songs. A more diversified portfolio. Ah, indeed, yes. <laughs> but as an album of just these songs, he didn't like it very much. Oh. It was yeah. Just, it sounds like you guys are coming at it from the same place. I actually really like this album. I like... What's cool with them is that Marcus Mumford has such a unique voice that... Yeah. They can do a lot with the rest of their sound and maintain their Mumfordness. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about this with Coldplay a while back, but like, so like, it still sounded like Mumford to me because of his voice, and I liked the change in pace. Mm-hmm. I missed some of the the freneticness. Is that a word? Of uh, I don't know. It feels like it's not. <laughs> Maybe freneticism. That's a that's that's a made up one that sounds like it conforms to the structure, but it's probably made up too. I missed I missed how frenetic the other <laughs> albums were. There that's we a real sentence. <laughs> So I I would probably put this higher than ten, but understood. I, I see where you're coming from. I do also. I just want to make one note about this that I think probably stands for both of us, because so much of this music is new to both of us. You have to give us a little bit of a break if we lack context on what these albums mean in the artist's broader disc- discography, like their broader collection. That which is extremely important when listening to yeah. an album, and also. I've only listened to this album two times, you know, like yes. an album that I really like, I'll listen to 10 times, you know, in the first couple yeah. of weeks that it's out. So in my opinion, it just always makes fun of me because every time a new album comes out, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really like that. And then a week later, I'm like, I fucking love this. So <laughs> that's part of it, too. It's just. Lack of, yeah. lack of like reps on some of these. So in your feedback, please let us know you feel that way. Be- like, tell us we're wrong because it'll it might convince us to listen to an album again or something. And provide us the context. Tell us what yeah. what came before because th- that did help with this one. Because yes. I have heard more of Mumford besides this, so I could tell this album was yes. slower compared to the rest. You know, absolutely, and, and that's kind of a little bit unique for this entry. And I totally yeah. agree. It's great to know. That this is the slow album because mm-hmm. that means something. Absolutely. Um, all right, but so that's that's number ten. 
at least as of right now. Number nine came to us from friend of the pod and guest of the pod, Cody. It is Culture 2 by Migos. <laughs> so my favorite song from this was Motorsport, which was a song that I'd heard. It's actually a single. I want, I think that one has, I think Cardi B is on that one, which might give you an idea. The fact that I'm forgetting might give you an idea of how many times I listened to this one. This was like a one, a once through. And I can understand if this would grow on a person. I'm a little bit confused about where Migos sit in the world of hip hop and rap right now, because I know a lot of people like Migos. And I've even heard some people say that they're critically acclaimed. This album was like real pop rap to me. Like it was just straight up pop rap. And it was actually fairly enjoyable to just listen to one time, but I don't think I need to listen to it again. I will admit that I didn't even finish this album because yeah, it's first, it's 24 songs. Okay. That's two albums. It's a lot of songs. Yep. And I had a very difficult time differentiating between songs. Yeah. They all pretty much sound the same to me. Mm-hmm. I, I did not <laughs> really care for it at all. Um, I, uh, that's a good way to put it. It's like very, um, like I think if people, People that don't like rap would point to an album like this as like evidence of what's wrong with the, um, the genre. Like a lot of the content is based on jewelry. There's actually a song called Too Much Jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> jewelry. It, I, I, I couldn't pick a favorite song. I did write down some of my favorite lines. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> this is off one of the first tracks. Didn't graduate, but I know chemistry is science. <laughs> it's, it's true. Good point. It's no, true. It's, yeah. I don't know what that means, actually. I, I, don't, but I, like I could it. not tell you what it meant. <laughs> she just bought a new ass, but she got the same boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Boobs are back. I heard somebody say that boobs are back. So that's an interesting line. Like, rap hasn't talked about boobs in a very long time. It's mostly been maybe ass. Yeah, maybe that means something. I don't know. I heard, I, somebody told me boobs are back. No, Migos apparently. I don't know what their their take on boobs is here. She's they're just commenting that this girl has a new ass but not has the same old boobs. I'm assuming that's disappointing to them. I guess. I don't know. Because boobs are back. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I I hear things like I hear things that are happening in pop culture and I really cling to them. Like I take them as gospel. I hear one time on E news that boobs are back and now that's like I have to assume it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I have no other data point. Let's declare it on this podcast then. <laughs> For all to hear. Boobs are back. Yes. The last one I had was diamond on my wrist look like McFlurries. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> I don't know what that means either. But McFlurries are, like, notably dull looking. Like, they don't have any sparkle. <laughs> I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's... I guess it would be... It would feel like, right? Like, because you say your diamonds are frosty, so it would feel like a McFlurry, because it's like a snowstorm. But it doesn't look like it. I don't. I don't know. That's weird that he says looks like McFlurry. If you had black diamonds like they do in Lamborghini Mercy, yeah, on your white skin, it might look like M and M's in a McFlurry. Yeah, but I don't that's think true. I don't think that's what's happening with Migos. No, this doesn't make a lot of sense. I, I'm like really thrown by the looks. Like the feels like would make more sense to me because it's frosty. I think I think I got it right. But the no, no, I, the I reason, believe you. The reason I it stuck out to me because I, I just heard McFlurry and I was like, wait, what? So, mm. anyways, those are just some of my favorite lines from the album. I, I really want to be the guy. So 
there's the one guy that's rapping and he'll say like something and then another guy will come in and just repeat the last word. So if the, if the verse ends in ass, the second guy will come in and just go ass or like he'll go or (laughs) yeah, Yeah. like I want to be that guy. (laughs) You're, you are kind of a classic hype man. I feel like you've, you've actually performed that function in real life, just like in regular conversation for a long time. So I think you would do well with that. I'd like to, instead of hyping it using actual sentences, like if someone makes a good point in a meeting, like, well, well, like, oh, I don't know, have you considered um, uh, the influence of this over the next however many years? And I just go, <laughs> like, that's understood. I would, it's like, I would really like that. Like, underscore. Do you, <laughs> do you watch Community? I don't watch Community. I, I've seen it enough times to know that I would absolutely love the show. Do you know the pop pop guy? <laughs> no. There's a guy that just goes pop pop like at random times and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's understood that that means a variety of things. Like him saying it could be like pop pop. Like <laughs> it means anything he wants it to mean. I think you would do well with there. Like I think you could do that and become pop pop guy. Maybe I'll do that on this podcast. Like every time that you say something that is a really good point that I instead yeah. of just saying like oh I totally agree with that and moving on to the next segment yeah. and we're done. I'm into that. We should isolate that audio and save it. <laughs> just loop it. Um, yeah, actually, <laughs> pretty good. Um, I want to talk about this later as we get to a couple more of the rap albums, but I do think that the comparison of this Migos album with a couple of the other ones it it casts into pretty stark relief the split in the world of rap right now. And I will talk about it a little bit more, but I think it's important to keep logic in in mind as we talk about Migos and Migos in mind as we talk about a couple of the other artists. Absolutely. Because I like, I love this genre. I just yeah. didn't like this album. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, all right. So number eight, this is the one I think you thought I was talking about before. So this comes from dear friend, beloved colleague, beloved pseudo brother to both of us, <laughs> who I want to make it clear. He appears much higher on this list. One of his contributions. We love him, but man, uh, Dylan, <laughs> what are you thinking? What are you thinking with this Dave Matthews album come tomorrow? Uh, it was, it was not great. <laughs> it was not great. <laughs> Not great. I only listened to it the one time through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the problem for me is that I like I have some previous context on Dave Matthews. Yes. And I don't really like his music that much. So like yeah. I was a little biased to start, but I have to say that with this album he didn't really do much in the way of changing my mind. I do want to say one thing. So I come from at this from the same angle. Even though if you consulted my Facebook page for like 2007, it would say I liked Dave Matthews' band. That was just (laughs) so people would like talk to me about Dave Matthews' band. I'm not a huge DMB fan, but as far as Dave Matthews' music goes, I actually kind of liked this relative to other Dave Matthews because I thought it was a little more country sounding Mm. and it seemed a little, uh, a little heartier. Like I kind of liked the sound versus other Dave Matthews. Let's take that for what it's worth. Do you think that it would be fair if someone, uh, like, pick a random location, like a like an abandoned um, roller rink, was asking the <laughs> DJ to play yeah. Dave, but no hits? Could they just put this yeah. album on and they'd be fine? I think there would probably be no hits. <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> Though I will say my favorite track on this was Here On Out. I thought it was kind of a sweet love song. That was a good song. I do like that one too. Yeah. But yes, so not my favorite, but thank you, Dylan. <laughs> yes, thank you, Dylan, anyways. And Dylan, if you're listening to this, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We will hit you back. Yeah, we're going to laud Dill a little bit later on in this yeah. list. So. He'll get a little love. All right, so that takes us through number eight, which probably takes us to the not top ten, which we're not going to do, or not top three, which we will not be doing. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to yeah. do that. So, so does that mean we're not going to play any music? I think we could just we could just play the music and keep going. All right, let's play the music. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin McLeod. You're the best. <laughs> You're great. I I really hope we meet Kevin someday. <laughs> that seems unlikely, but he'd probably be disappointed. Yeah. He'd be like, you use my music for what? <laughs> we should ask him to be on the pod. <laughs> Rank his top ten of his own songs. <laughs> so Kevin apparently is like a, he's a pretty well-respected figure in like the electronic music scene. A ton mm-hmm. of his music is used in video games and I could see that. like internet flash games and real video games. Not not that flash games aren't real, but like, you know. Yeah. Studio games. And amateur podcast. Because almost all of his work is available duty free. Or um Yeah. Not duty free. Uh it's creative comments. So that's why we're yeah. using it. Anyways, <laughs> that was the not top three music for no not top yes. three segment. Alright, so number seven I'm going to let you talk about this one, because I actually didn't get a chance to listen to this. Yeah, so number seven is a album that was recommended to me by a good friend of the pod, Gina. It's a band called Greta Van Fleet. The album is called Anthem of the Peaceful Army. So the best way to describe Greta Van Fleet is it's is that someone had plucked them, or if they had accidentally wandered into a time machine in like the late 19... 19- 60s like early to mid 70s and they dropped them in 2018 and they just didn't know the difference and continued to make that kind of music so they're heavily 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 influenced by led zeppelin it's like very like shrieky and uh like early punk rocky it's very, it's a perfect name for the album because it's very anthony it's a shouter and it's very good. I I really liked it. It fits really well into my repertoire of classic rock. So if you like Led Zeppelin and that kind of genre, that kind of music, then you would really like this. And, it, and true to like the Led Zeppelin feel, they've got some bangers and then they've got some like some softer stuff that's more like acoustic or, uh, you know, and, and vocally focused. So mm-hmm. I, I listened to this album a ton this year it's really good so it's funny i'm aware of the band's existence just like the name but became a little bit more aware of them i think it was yesterday i read an article and i do think it was actually on our our favorite site the ringer about the art of the bad review was that what that was on did you happen to see that article that one so it was this i think it was on i think it was on the ringer it was this really long article about how writing a bad review is in itself like an art form. And one of the works cited was one of uh, Greta Van Vliet's albums. 
And it was talking about how it was so polarizing because it sounded so much like Led Zeppelin. And they quoted this review that just they completely dismissed it as being too Zeppelin-y. But it was also noting that there were a lot of reviews that loved the sound. Well, it is it like it sounds a lot like Led Zeppelin, but it doesn't feel like they've ripped off Led Zeppelin. It sounds mm. like they really like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And have modeled and have been inspired by that. Like, I think there's a difference and I think they are on the side of, uh, and who knows? I mean, I, I can understand why someone would think like this is a ripoff, but I don't feel that way. Well, I like your take because you're right. There is a difference between those things. And I'm glad we've got somebody standing for your side of the argument because that's great music. If you're going to model yourself off of any music, that's about as good as it gets. Like that's a great sound. And there's not a lot of new music like that. Like, that's the that's the problem with loving classic rock is it's classic now. It's like great music, but there's not any there's new. There's no more of it stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was really cool to like listen to it. It was like it was like listening to a new album from yeah. that time period, which is cool. Yeah, and it's not as good as Led Zeppelin because they're not the greatest band of all time, maybe. But <laughs> like, it's I was banging to it. Like I, <laughs> yeah, it's I yeah I recommend that one if you like classic rock at all. Or like modern that. rock, That's, for that matter. Yeah, I like it. So clocking in at number six is another... Uh, I think this one may have come from Friend of the Pod Tatum. It may have come from Dill. They're engaged, so I consider them a taste unit. But we heard about the album Magic by Ben Rector. Yeah. So are you a Ben Rector guy, or you just know a lot about Ben Rector because of those two doofuses? I, I shamefully so Dylan has been telling me to listen to Ben Rector almost as long as we've been friends, and yeah. I just have like never really gotten into. It. I listened to one of his older albums and like was fine with it, and then like haven't really gotten too involved in Ben mm-hmm. Rector. But I listened to this album, and I really liked it. Yeah, I felt the same way. It's not exactly my music, but this was a really it was good music. Like it was. Good lyrics, was well written, he's got a nice voice, and I liked that the songs, they all connected, but they all sounded pretty different. Like, I liked how, how thoughtfully done this album was. The, the sound was pretty complex. Yeah, the, it's definitely a, a variety of sounds. It was, cause like my preconceived notion of Ben Rector based on what I know Dylan and Tatum listened to was, it was gonna be yeah. very indie, kind of folky. Yeah. Slow. But this is like definitely a little poppier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it. I just think he's a very clever writer. I wrote down a couple lines that he had in here. <laughs> You're the real thing, like the novel before the movie. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. And then uh, this this line made me laugh out loud. And it was off my favorite track of the album. Oh, I forgot to say my favorite um, song from the Greta Van Fleet album. Yeah, tell us. Uh, there's a great tune called When the Curtain Falls that is a, okay. a banger. That sounds like the name of a... It's like When the Levee Breaks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think <laughs> probably the, the, that's intentional. Yeah. Um, so, okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. So this my, my favorite song off this album was called Drive, and it's just about um, like going somewhere new. And there were a couple of lines that I liked from it. One was, um, like, like the river connects to the ocean, or like a river flows to the ocean, the pavement we're on connects to where we're going. It's like a really cool image of no matter where you want to go in the world, like you're already standing on pavement that connects to it somehow, which is interesting, like a cool thought. Um, and then a, a funny line at the beginning of that song, <laughs> NYC, Portland, Austin, 
Anaheim. Maybe not Anaheim. Keep an open mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, like I, I found myself laughing a couple times through this album, and also like, but it switches up. There's another cool song on this album called "Old Friends." Um, mm. very nostalgic. I just, like, in general, really, really like this one a lot. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I totally agree. I think the cleverness of the writing was probably the thing that kept it from just being yeah. pop or like the pop album of an indie writer, which I think is a fairly common thing. Like you see people who go, all right, this indie thing was fun, but now I got to make a couple bones and get a tour. And <laughs> I think the fact that his writing was, was smart is what kept that from being, this from being that. Yeah, there's a song at the end of the album called, um, or I don't remember what it's called, stupidly, but it reminded me of Phil Collins because, like, there's very heavy drum line throughout it. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree, like, the, the, the writing is what separated it from me. Cause <laughs> the sound itself actually reminded me, besides Phil Collins, for the most part, reminded me of, <laughs> do you remember the band Lifehouse? Yes. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it, I think Dylan likes Lifehouse. <laughs> it's, it sounded, it sounded like Lifehouse, but it was a lot better than Lifehouse. I think in part because of the the actual writing. So yes, yeah, I liked Magic from Ben Rector. Yeah. So thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Tatum. Yeah. Thanks much. Yes. All right. So number five. This actually is good because we had another contributor who gave us a couple albums, one of which we did not receive well. So the next one is from Cody. Who gave us the Migos album, which we didn't love. But this was a really good one. This is uh, K.O.D. by J. Cole. So J. Cole was fantastic. J. Cole is a is somebody who I thought was just like a pop rapper when I first heard him. Because I first heard him on the radio. But J. Cole is actually a really, really good artist. Uh, and this was a particularly good album. So the thing that I really like about J. Cole is... And I think this is a good time to have a little bit of the rap conversation... I think rap has started to, or probably has done this for a little while, um, split into people who think that their music has a social message to deliver, and in a lot of cases does, and people who kind of do the classic like engagement with the form, which is brag rapping. And so some of the artists who do a great job of like rapping about big topics would be somebody like Kanye West for a while our buddy Kendrick Lamar who we will be talking a little bit more about like those are two of the people who made the idea that rap can mean something really famous um Tupac and Biggie both did an incredible job of that like they rapped a lot about growing up and thinking about life like the Biggie songs are really deep so there's sort of like this (laughs) yeah some of some of them not so much but even the ones I would actually argue even the ones that don't seem that deep are often wrapped in character in a way that makes sense in the context of the album. Like, even those really braggy songs that he does, when you listen over the course of the album, you're like, oh, this is the character Biggie Smalls doing his brag track where he's then going to talk about actually returning to his regular life. So, like, there's that realm. Then there's, like, the early 2000s, Juvenile and Nelly and all those rappers who just rap about cars and jewelry and stuff. J. Cole does something really interesting, which is that he kind of does neither. J. Cole sort of raps about his life, like just about his own life. He doesn't try to necessarily connect his life to some broader social message. And he also doesn't just brag. He kind of raps about being J. Cole. Yeah, I agree. Like there is a, like there's one song that's just about him. Like, like it felt very, um, 
genuine. Like he's just rapping about how like a lot of people that he used to not give him the time of day all of a sudden are ex- like reminding him, Hey, we're friends now that he's successful. And he's like, yeah, fuck you. I couldn't get a dollar from you when we were kids. And now all of a sudden, you know, and like it kind of reminded me. Was that me- the song 1985? Might have been. I don't remember. Because that was my favorite song on the album. He raps a little bit about like what it's like to be a rapper and gives a little bit of advice to other rappers. I'm wondering, I think that might be the same one you're talking about. I think it was. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I really like this album. I listened to it twice, I think, in a row. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. It was good. It reminded me that track specifically and also just a little bit generally. It kind of reminded me of Jay-Z. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, that was sort of Jay-Z. I think that's actually a good connection because especially early Jay-Z did something similar, which was he sort of rapped about being Jay-Z. And I think looking back, you can connect some of his songs to like broader stuff. And then later his, his music was just bragging about being Jay-Z, like, like Jay-Z the brand. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think the stuff that got Jay-Z to be famous was like, a lot like this. It was really smooth, sort of easy to listen to. And it was about a guy just being a guy and like his life. And, and I thought it was really good. I, I think that's a good connection. Yeah. It reminded me that that song specifically reminded me. Do you know the song Ain't No Love? I don't think so. Do, 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 do. But it's, it's all about like a guy who it's the same exact concept. A guy who used to be nobody and now is a big deal and all of a sudden. There's people coming out of the woodwork. Like if you were to win Jeopardy, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> what's what's Woodward? Remember Nick thinks this the word is Woodward. <laughs> Did I say Woodward or Woodwork? No, no, you said Woodwork. Okay. But I like when Nick's, no, I like when Nick says Woodward. Yeah. In general, I, I very much enjoyed KOD. And I this is the first J. Cole album I've listened to. So I think I'm going to have to go back into his, his discography. Yeah. The one, the one to really listen to, in my opinion, is I forget what the hell it's called. It's his address. It's like blah 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 mm. something hills. That's the one with no role models on it, which is probably his most famous song. Okay, and it's got a couple other really good ones. It actually has a hilarious one called "Wet Dreams." That's really funny. He's just good. Like he's a really good artist. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to more of him. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that brings us to number four in one of the real upsets of this list. Yeah. An incredibly specific album. Uh, this is Legendary Christmas. So I think this came from Friend of the Pod Marie. Yes, did, it did, right? Yeah, so Marie is fantastic, and this was a great suggestion. So Legendary Christmas is the John Legend Christmas album. All right, it's not Christmas anymore. No. And I'm not going to listen to this until next Christmas. Like, I'm done. I'm done for a while listening to this. But man, it was just great to listen to John Legend's voice for a little while. So the pick, the song I picked, I think is my, is a perfect encapsulation of why this album is good. My favorite song that I want to note is What Christmas Means to Me. Mm. And I know what you're saying out there. What the fuck is What Christmas Means to Me? I've never heard that. Is that a Christmas song? Yes, it is. Any schmo can cover like Jingle Bells and we all know it and it's going to be pleasant enough. It takes an artist with John Legend's talent to make me listen to a Christmas song called What Christmas Means to Me and really enjoy it. And that was the through line of this whole album. Didn't matter whether this was a Christmas classic or just some random Christmas song I'd never heard. It was some nice, smooth, easy listening. It was very smooth. And I I have the same take as you. I enjoyed more his original songs. So my favorite song was one called Bring Me Love, which... People may have actually heard. I think that one's getting some play. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Marie 
she commented both on uh Facebook and on Twitter. Like she did not want this album to get missed, and I'm glad that she did because Elijah and I listened to this album in its entirety probably like six or seven times this Christmas season. Yeah, <laughs> Marie commented on Twitter. <laughs> This album is, quote, a gift none of us deserved, but we all truly need. <laughs> I mean, she could be more right. She couldn't be more right. It's like the Batman thing. It's just, ah, oh, so good. Thank you, Marie. You really brought joy to me uh, this Christmas season. Yes. I, I will admit, because I know that Marie is the queen of Christmas, <laughs> like, she loves Christmas with a fiery passion unmatched by anything except maybe her wonderful husband, Xander, and the Chicago Cubs. If I had to rank them, I would probably go Cubs, then Christmas, then Xander. So when she suggested the legendary Christmas, I was like, this is probably Marie really loving a Christmas album because it's a Christmas album. Yeah. That's partially true, I think. But in general, this album definitely holds up and definitely deserves to be this high on the list. I also want to know, and you, this is a really good person to, to note this about because you are much closer with Marie than I am. But it's important for the listeners to keep in mind, like, all of these songs were, or all of these albums were suggested by people that we know. And so it was cool to commune with these albums while thinking about the person. So you have a much closer relationship with Marie, so it meant one thing to you. I know Marie, and I know Xander, and I really like them both. And this only reinforced the notion <laughs> that life has robbed me. Of an opportunity to be much closer to two people who are incredible. Like this, everything I know about Marie tells me that this is the album she would love. And it now makes me think she's even better than I thought before. It is somehow true, even though I'm sure your esteem for her was high already. Yes. So I think this brings us to a spot where we might mention a couple honorable mentions. Yeah. I think what we had decided was we'll just use honorable mention time to bring up some albums that we liked that we're not going to put on the list because this isn't our list really yeah do you want to rattle some off you know to the surprise of no one the only <laughs> i really only have two to talk about uh because i really only like truly listen to a couple of musical acts so one i don't know if this counts but i'm gonna count it anyway is people should listen to the bruce springsteen bruce on broadway or springsteen on broadway album <laughs> so you shouldn't just listen to it. You should actually watch the Netflix special. But even just listening to it, it's an incredible album. So it takes a lot of songs from Bruce's life, many of which were mentioned in his autobiography that was released, I think, a year and a half ago now. So he performs them all on Broadway in this really intimate show. And he talks about what the song means to him, when he wrote it, what he was doing in his life. And even for people who aren't Springsteen fans, it's really pretty special to get a look behind the scenes at how an artist as prolific and as respected as Bruce has come up with his music and how these songs have changed in their meaning to him. Like, he gives a hilarious anecdote about Born to Run, which is probably his most famous song, and he refers to himself as Mr. Born to Run and then is like, and I live. 10 minutes from my childhood home. <laughs> and like, he talks about how when he wrote that song Born to Run, it meant, it, it was about freedom and it was about choice for him as a kid because he was like 21 years old or 23 years old when he wrote that song. Mm -hmm. And then for him now as like a 65 year old guy, Born to Run is kind of just this relic of a time when he 
only wanted freedom and only wanted choice, but now he's at a time in his life when he wants roots and he wants to return to the places he's been before. And so that's a real gift. That was a real gift to me as a Springsteen fan. But I think even to those who aren't huge fans, this album is worth listening to, but especially worth watching. Okay. And my other top pick, the album that I listened to (laughs) constantly this whole year, and which I know you did not like, or at least did not like as much as you expected, uh, is Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. For a for an in depth review of this album, <laughs> see our uh, Arctic Monkeys podcast. <laughs> yes, I will just give the quick bullets. It's one of those albums that if you're not, if you don't have the career context on an artist, and you just go in and listen to it, you'd be like, "Well, this kind of sucks." But if you are aware of the artist and you're aware that this is a very big musical departure for them. I think you can really appreciate it. I love this album and haven't stopped listening to it. I still listen to it. It's a good album. Yeah. I I was distressed to find that most of the albums that I listened to a lot this year were actually released in 2017. Yeah. Which bummed me out, but there were still some good ones. One of the ones I listened to, probably the album I listened to most this year will appear high on this list, so I'll, I'll pass on it for now. A couple mm-hmm. I'd like to mention... Sneaking in into 2018 is the soundtrack for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. First of all, if you have not seen Into the Spider-Verse <laughs> now, it is this instant. Because you, it'll be great at home, but you have to see it in theaters. Yeah. It's even better. Go now. Mike and I spent 20 minutes talking about it before we started recording today. It's out of this world, and part of what makes it so incredible is a soundtrack that is perfect. And... It features a lot of prominent artists you've definitely heard of. My favorite song off that track is Sunflower. The, uh, with, I don't know who the primary artist is, but Post Malone is on it. Post Malone and Sway Lee, I think. That's, I just can't stop listening to that song. So that's a great album. And I'm here to stump for an album that I think got overlooked this year and actually got shit on a little bit. I think unfairly. It was JT's Man of the Woods album. So, mmm. Interesting. So the single off of that track or the off that album is terrible. It's called uh, Filthy or something, and it's really bad, and I hate it. If you listen to the meat of that album, it it stacks up with the meat of a lot of other JT albums. Like you could interchange a lot of that album with his uh, 2020 experience, and you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference. Like the deeper tracks on it. So like I. I Certainly 2020 had three or four tracks at the top that are smash radio hits, and Man of the Woods does not have that. But at the back end of that album, there's a lot of good JT content to be mined. So don't, if you haven't listened to that album in its entirety, it's worth listening to at least once. And listeners, I'm sure that you know Kyle well enough, either through your personal life or now through the pod, to appreciate this. But please put yourself in my seat as somebody who has been friends with Kyle for a very long time and who knows most everything about him and certainly knows everything about his tastes in all forms of art and just soak in how strange and just out of character and amazing his love of Justin Timberlake is. It's so perfect and it's one of my favorite things about Kyle that it makes no sense. There's no list of cultural works that Kyle enjoys where JT fits, and it's just great. It's so great. I like music with falsetto. I like I, I like to sing along yeah. to falsetto, and 
JT That's has true. the best one on, on the, he's the best active falsetto, but th- that, that album is worth listening to in, through one time, at least. The, the last one, I don't even remember the name of the album, but there are two tracks off it that I've listened to a lot this year. <laughs> We've kind of adopted, I mean, Allegis and myself. Um, have you listened to it all to the new Panic at the Disco album? A little bit, yeah. So the like the two songs, Saturday Night and uh, the other one that's like the single. But <laughs> I've listened to both those songs quite a bit. And just in general, was surprised at how much I enjoyed this album. So uh, worth an honorable mention from me. I like that. That's a good... You were or were not a Panic fan like when Panic was Panic? I mean, I liked their singles, but I never like really listened to their albums. You know who's okay. a really big Panic at the Disco fan? is um cody cody's really really into panic at the disco and like got really offended when we worked together and i was like yeah i would we were we had an argue a long argument i was like i would rather see he went to a show that was weezer and panic at the disco that sounds kind of fun and i was like oh that sucks we have to listen to panic at a weezer concert and he was like fuck you it sucks that i have to listen to weezer at a panic concert and we got we got wow we got into it but he really likes panic uh and i think would stump hard for their deeper stuff i'd be i didn't we should have asked him about this album when he was here i want you to ask him let's follow up yeah that'll be on the mistakes pod i'm sure yeah okay um all right that's so that's that. honorables that's that was our portion which is the less fun portion let's get back to you guys um so number three was another entry from brother-in-law of the pod ian this was a in our opinion much better entry this was ysiv i don't know how you're actually supposed to say that i assume you're supposed to say that it's young sinatra 4 mm-hmm. so this was the logic album this was the actual studio album this was a fantastic fantastic album so here's what i loved about this album and it ties back in actually to the name of his mixtape so bobby tarantino i don't know if he was doing this on purpose but i i kind of feel like he's nodding to the fact that he's a lot like quentin tarantino so quentin tarantino is famous because he worked in a video store and was a lover of film before he became a filmmaker himself now i don't really know a ton about logic but listening to this album this seems like a fan was given incredible writing talent and a canvas on which to paint. Like this is a guy who loves rap so much and it just, it just drips off of every song. He falls very squarely into the camp of he engages fully with the tropes of rapping. Yes. But he does so, but he does so with such joy and appreciation that I love it. Like he's, he's like a movie maker who loves movies. He just loves them and he does it totally. And I think the track that best encapsulates this is Wu Tang Forever. <laughs> I, I literally, I don't think Wu Tang have performed together in years. Like he got Wu Tang Clan onto yeah. a track with him. And he sang a song called Wu-Tang Forever, and he really did a great job with it because he rapped for one minute and then said, I'm out, and then just let Wu-Tang be Wu-Tang. And as a huge Wu-Tang fan, it was a reminder that any minute you spend not listening to Wu-Tang is a waste of time. (laughs) But it was just cool because it felt like a love letter from a fan to one of the greats of the form. I loved this album, and I, I just as a rap fan, I, I appreciated that this is clearly a guy who loves rap. Yeah, I liked. He also, I, I really liked that track a lot. There was another one, might have been the first or second track, where it's like he just mixes in like a bunch of like voicemails from fans 
which is kind of yes, that was cool, which I liked, and like people from all over the world. Like the whole point was it's kind of like a worldwide thing, and he does a little bit of the brag stuff that we talked about, but like there's a really cool track in here about like his relationship with his father and how he hopes that like he'll be a better father for his. That was a really really good song. Yeah, it hit you. Yeah, it's just like it's got like the nice like piano in the background, and it's like yep. a very measured pace and it's a very I'd, I'd like i tend to like rap that i can really understand like it's very well articulated and his is like i know every word that he's saying and i can follow along to it i really really enjoyed it and had really good continuity like you could just listen to this is one of the listening to these albums straight through was cool because this one had really yes. good continuity but my totally agree my favorite song off this album was sweet dreams too do you remember this one yeah i don't want to sp- spoil anything but i like had a like a strong reaction to this song where i was like oh my god that was fucking incredible the basic the basic gist of it is that he's just rapping about a day that he's in his car and he gets a call from someone that says we have your wife taken hostage if you want to see her again bring a million dollars to this location and then it's like he just raps for like four minutes you like through this seek like an, it basically is an action movie sequence where he yeah. like has to get the cash and like gets his homie and they're driving to the place and the cops are involved there's a shootout like it's like watching a fucking movie in a rap song and i had the same reaction i believe that you did listen to this song sweet dreams yeah. too even if you don't want to listen to the whole album really really cool that was my favorite experience from this from this album so Thank you, Ian. Ian. That was a great, great suggestion. Yeah, love that one. So number two, my second favorite album from this list, and it contains the track that I probably listened to the most. So this one is Vide Noir from Lord Huron, brought to us by the incomparable Dylan. So I want to talk about Dylan first. Let's talk about the album in a minute, but I want to talk first about Dylan. So... What I loved most about this was every second I was listening to this album, I felt like I was hanging out with Dylan. So for you and I, this is a really cool experience doing this podcast because it's allowed us a really set sort of clear schedule of time we're going to spend with each other. Um, and I think the listeners all know, but we're in separate cities and we don't get to see each other as much as we used to. And Dylan is in Chicago with with Kyle. And so I don't get to see Dylan the same way I don't get to see you, but we don't have the same scheduled time together. It's just hard. You know, you become, you know, you get a little older and it's hard to find that, that scheduled time. And it's reminding me that I have to schedule more time with Dylan because listening to this album, I felt like I was with Dylan and it brought me pure joy. Every, every track I listened to, I thought about Dylan. I thought about his taste in music and I imagined him enjoying this album. So that's like, it's an unfair boost to this song. Or to this to this album, but it it added a layer of enjoyment to this album for me. I well, first of all, I completely agree. Like, so Dylan told me about Lord Huron a while ago. Like, he yes, was, he deserves props. He deserves. Props. Dylan was on the Lord Huron train like their after their first album, which I don't know how many people yep. can say that, but he turned me on yeah. to them after their second album, Strange Trails, which that is probably one of my top. 10 albums ever i have a like <laughs> such a great relationship with that album and so and i have the unique experience with this album of like really anticipating it and like every time a new single would come out dylan and i would text each other and listen to it immediately and talk about it 
And we were nervous because it sounded like their sound was changing, which it has. But this album, the greatest thing I can say about it is that it didn't disappoint me after it came out after one of my favorite albums of all time. And this was yeah. definitely my favorite album this year. And Dylan and I actually saw Lord Huron in concert right after, like, a week after this came out. So we got to see this whole album performed live. I love this album. <laughs> there's not, there's one track on it that I like might skip, but otherwise I listen to every song off this album. It's, it's, and if you don't know anything about Lord Huron, they're kind of like an indie, definitely an indie band, but they're like, they sing, they, they write in this weird, like fictional, like, adjacent universe to ours that has like some aspects of supernatural to it like some supernatural aspects to it interesting it's it's like our world adjacent like it's right there but there's like some magic involved or like like for example there's a off strange trails album there's a a song called dead man's hand where he's just in the woods and comes across like a, a guy who's died but he doesn't want to die yet so he stands up and like walks into the into the endless void and like it's just like written from the perspective of like this traveler and that's strange trails and then this album is it's 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 cool because it's all kind of tied together to this concept of like an emerald star and this stuff tied to that so it's cool like almost fiction not sci-fi but like it's almost it's like fantasy writing almost in a music album and it's yeah. and it's also just incredible music uh so if you're into like indie alt rock at all like this is definitely an album you should check out i like that i like that context i didn't realize that but i i now feel it which is a i think a cool endorsement of the album one track that i really liked was when the night is over that was one of my favorites and i want i think it was that one that you kind of at least for me i heard hints of like an old western there was sort of this whistle it almost sounded like the yeah. good the bad and the ugly in the background yes and I just could picture myself sitting out at a campfire under the stars, and the song just put me there immediately in a because really cool way. It was very evocative. It's because of that bass line, that doom, 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 yeah. doom, 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 It's like, it's very, has a serious Western vibe to it. I like some of the faster stuff on this album, because they don't really do that. Ancient Names, and then my favorite song off the album is called Secret of Life, but... Yeah, that's a terrific one. And then the the name of the album Vita Noir is uh it's got this incredible <laughs> guitar riff that they just loop that's an incredible that is one of the catchiest songs I've ever heard I listened to that a bunch of times yeah I, I can't get enough of this album and one thing that is is neat about it on Spotify it actually has like animations tied to each of the songs which I yeah very much enjoyed and they played something like that when they played live um so you can tell we both like this album a lot Thank you, Dylan, for turning me on to Lord Huron. Anyways, that's number two. Vida Noir. That is number two. That's a terrific album. Uh, number one. So this is my favorite album of the year. I think Kyle and I are agreed that those are the top two. I think we both agree, like, we might be able to switch them around. But number one is the Black Panther soundtrack. So not the score from the movie, but the soundtrack. Although the score is fantastic. Uh, thanks Ludwig Gorenson. But this is the, <laughs> the Black Panther soundtrack from Kendrick Lamar. So this is a masterpiece. I, I want to talk a couple things about why this album is so just crazy. So number one, it's a Disney soundtrack put out by Kendrick Lamar. That is an amazing, that is an amazing 
sign that Disney realizes that the old thing they were doing isn't working anymore. Uh, it's a Disney album endorsed by, or it's an album endorsed by Disney that curses heavily. Oh, yes. Okay. So this is Disney. Like, that's amazing that this happened. And I think it's an endorsement of Kendrick's unique artistry that this happened, right? So that's crazy. But number two, and I will connect this to some of the broader reasons I like this album so much. It's positioned so strangely with respect to the real world and the movie world. So the opening track is called Black Panther. And in it, Kendrick Lamar is rapping and refers to himself as King Kendrick, which immediately introduces some really weird questions about whether Kendrick Lamar exists in the universe of Black Panther, whether this album is meant as like a companion piece, whether Eric Killmonger could listen to this album. Like, I'm so confused by all that, right? So you listen to that, you're like, what the hell is happening? But... I think it's intentional, and I think what he's trying to do is really cool. So this album opens, and you hear a match being struck. And my first instinct is, oh, okay, a lot of rappers will do that, where it's like them smoking weed. Like, the point is they're lighting up, and then they're going to smoke and then sing. Lil Wayne does that a lot. So that's what I initially thought. But then you hear these African drums... And then you hear the match lit again, and then you hear a piano come in, and then Kendrick starts rapping. I think what he's trying to do is make it like he's Kendrick going into a collection of books or like into a museum, and he's going into the world of Black Panther. It's almost as though we're supposed to be a modern day person, a modern day Kendrick looking into like this distant past and seeing how his world the world of the actual Kendrick Lamar connects to the movie and I know that that sounds really bullshit and like that's kind of crazy and maybe that's not what he's going for at all but what I think he's setting up even if that's not the specific dynamic he's setting up is he's setting up a world in which his rap music like actual Kendrick Lamar rap music is really intimately tied with the music of this movie and the themes that Black Panther's putting together. And it's just, it's amazing because he doesn't, he doesn't really rap over the movie. He doesn't really have all of these tracks that directly relate to the soundtrack, but they feel so thematically linked to what's happening in that movie. Well, it's astounding. That's what I love about it is that like he like understands this movie and like understands what it's about. And I imagine he had conversations with Ryan Coogler about this because like, like there's all these questions about like, what does it mean to be a king? Like, what does it mean to be a hero? Like, yeah, basically like the questions that Black Panther asks. And what does it mean to be black? What does it mean to be African? What does it mean to kind of be both if you're Eric Killmonger? Right. Like what's cool about this album is that I listened to it a bunch before the movie, before I'd seen the movie and so I was expecting all of those tracks to be in the film, but they're not. Same, same. I had the same experience. Which is interesting. Cause like, and then once you know that, you can kind of tell the difference. Cause like the, the bangers on the album are in the movie. Like, and then there's a lot that aren't, that are more like, like thematically linked to it than those ones are. But it's a really interesting dynamic. But I, and so, but. The other thing is, like, the bangers on this album are just that. Like, they are bangers. Yeah. My favorite track is Pray For Me. That's, like, the headliner. I think the, It's a great song. The weekend is on that, right? 
the weekend is on that. And it's cool because it sounds like a weekend song, even though it's Ken, it's also puts the Kendrick role in this album into an interesting point. Like, cause he's both the, the main artist on a lot of these and the curator of all of these songs. And then the other one that they play in the end credits is All of the Stars, which is incredible. And th- that's the, to me, like the most explicitly Wakanda song. Like that's, a, that sounds, that sounds to me like you're in Wakanda looking up at the stars. Agreed. I, I think it's because that music that to me is like, I link it to the really cool animation of the end credits that I associate yeah. it really strongly with Wakanda and that whole universe. But yeah. this album, obviously it's better <laughs> if you've seen and enjoyed Black Panther, but like as a rap album, I think it stands on its own pretty well. Yeah. Anytime you get to hear Kendrick Lamar, it's a gift. It's like a, he's, he is such an extraordinary artist. Every second is a gift. And so even if this had nothing to do with such an awesome movie, it would be great. Which, but getting to hear it in conjunction with the movie is special. Two things. One is that this came not that long after he actually released his own studio album, I think in 2017, which is, yeah, this, which one would this have been? This would have been damn, right? Uh, I'm not sure, but like, yeah, like they're like closely spaced. So it's pretty incredible. The second is I'm going to give you credit where it's deserved. You were so far ahead on Kendrick Lamar. You were telling me about Kendrick Lamar early in college, like way before he was a a thing. So you get credit for Kendrick. Dill gets credit for Lord Huron. (laughs) You guys are on top of your games. We just happen to be skipping all the bands that you've discovered. So we would be handing out the credit, the credit lollipops everywhere. But I think I just, as I think I have a special place for this album because of my Kendrick fandom. But I do think it's a really good entry point for people who aren't already big Kendrick fans because it's a little more accessible because you can watch, you can watch the movie like the whole world did. Like everybody saw the movie. Yeah. You know, listen to this and I was blown away, just blown away. It's wildly good. And I think that's another important point is like, this is tied to like one of the biggest movie phenomena that's occurred in the last five years. Right. So yeah. It, I think it gets elevated importance because of that. Yeah, it has a little bit of the double unfair advantage of it's associated with just a, a ten of a movie, and it happens to be from an artist that I already have a built-in love for. So I think it gets a little a little extra bonus points there. I think it's deserved though. And Cody and Ian yep. both told us to, to listen to this yes. one. So. Yeah, sorry, Ian. You deserve credit for this too. You did. You done good work. So that's that. I don't think we really need to re-rank. Do you? I mean, we could go for a two-hour pod. Yeah. No, I don't think we need to, though. So we could. I we could do it. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you wanna recap here, and then we'll we'll get out of here? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So <laughs> number eleven on our top eleven. Um, <laughs> Bobby Tarantino two Logic. Number ten Delta by Mumford and Sons. And shit. Number nine and shit. <laughs> number nine Culture two by Migos. Number eight Come Tomorrow by DMB. Number seven, Anthem of the Peaceful Army by Greta Van Fleet. Number six, Magic by Ben Rector. Number five, KOD by J. Cole. Number four, Legendary Christmas by John Legend. Number three, Young Sinatra 4 by Logic. Number two, Vida Noir by Lord Huron. And number one, our favorite album that you, our beloved friends and fans, gave us. The Black Panther album by Kendrick Lamar and Co. Absolutely. 
huge thank you to everyone that responded. That was a ton of fun to do. Yeah, thanks for giving us a fun pod, but thanks for giving us some great music and making us think about you and your weird tastes. Precisely. We already plugged our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and all that, and we've already lauded Kevin McLeod. I'll just finish by saying that Aaron, again, put together our delightful artwork. So I think that is that, Michael. That's that. We will uh, chat soon, my friend. All right. Peace out. Peace.